Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because party of redemption, your table is now ready. Well, hey everybody, welcome to a place where, by now, I hope you feel like you're home. There's power in conversation and story. We need to hear and know there is good news going on all around us all the time, even in the midst of days like these. This is episode number 50. Redemption's Table launched on Resurrection Monday in April 2019, and we have been blessed to hear from some awesome individuals who have come to this place of vulnerability to tell their story so that God might use their story to encourage someone else facing similar challenges. 50 episodes ago, who knew we would all be in the same boat facing the same crisis? Well, God did. This is also a very special week in that it's Holy Week. Holy Week begins on a Sunday with a crowd shouting, Hosanna, save us, as Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem. Five days later, Jesus said, okay. He answered their prayers even as they were already turning against him. A little over three weeks ago, right as social distancing was working its way into our everyday lingo, I sat down with today's special guest, David and Kelly Cochran, to listen to their journey about their son, Max, who struggled off and on for 19 years with mental health challenges. Now, this was originally intended to be a single episode, but somewhere in the course of our conversation, I knew God wanted to use Max's story in a grander way. So this is actually the first part of two parts, entitled, A Long Walk to Friday. As you listen, I encourage you to take note of others in your life who were suffering the pandemic of depression before we even heard about the coronavirus. May God use this to speak to your heart today. And until next Monday, remember this, there's always more going on spiritually than physically meets the eye. So love others well during this time and keep trusting in God. Keep looking up. Thank you for joining with us. Let's get started. Well, hello once again. Welcome to the table. It is a delight today to be sitting here with new friends, David and Kelly Cochran. And welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. We're Thank glad you. to be here. I would say welcome to the table, but it's your table we're sitting at. <laughs> we're glad you're at our table. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to come into your home. We had some wonderful barbecue tonight. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, it's one of our favorite places to eat here in Gadsden. It's Pruitt's Barbecue. It's a local favorite. We eat there about once or twice a week. Fresh vegetables, barbecue, the best barbecue. Yes, the best barbecue in town. It's got meat and three. Um, probably, probably the most popular 
restaurant in Gadsden. We usually say. don't have room for pie, but they have good no, fudge good, pie. Oh, good <laughs> well, it was absolutely wonderful. Thank you for dinner. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank y'all for uh, for setting me up and getting me in that direction. We have mutual friends, Clay and Tammy DeBoer, or Roe. Yes. Uh, I went to high school with Tammy, and she, she's been on the podcast. Clay and Tammy met me back in the fall. And uh, whenever we finished our podcast, I was asking Tammy, I said, share some folks that may be, may be good to talk with. Mm-hmm. And immediately, she mentioned you two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit, you, you know, as we engage in this conversation, uh, well, you know, we're going to be talking about things that have caused your heart pain and uh, ambiguity, and also talking about mental health, uh, yes. those issues, which we live in a culture where those three three things are around us all the time. Yes. So begin by sharing your story. Uh, just, uh, y'all have a ministry, but we'll get to that in just a moment, but share, share a little bit about your journey. Okay, you want me to share Yeah, you that? go ahead, Kel. Well, we, um, David and I were high school sweethearts. We were married 1987, and we waited eight years before we had children. And we had our first child, Callie, our daughter, and she's 23. She's in law school at the University of Alabama. And 26 months later, we had a son. He was the only boy in the Cochran family. Yes. Okay. So side, yeah. we were delighted and blessed and I prayed for children before we ever that ever came about. Uh, we prayed for children and we took parenting classes mm-hmm. and we were just so excited. I always said I taught a, a Bible study at church and my biggest dream or I guess goal was to be a good mother. And that, I used to say, if I fail at that, I will fail at life. And that I know now that's not true, <laughs> but that's what I believe. So we took parenting very seriously. And our children, we, we um, grew up, they grew up in church, just as the two of us did. And our faith has always been a big part of our lives. And so we just felt a, a great responsibility when we had our children. Um, and prayed for their salvation. Both of them had made a profession of faith at the age of six, both of them. Okay. And we were just very thrilled. And Max grew up, uh, Callie grew up. We, we parented, you know, in the same way with both children. And Max was a colorful personality in elementary school. I said he was the one we, we get tickled in his first grade picture. Um, he was strategically placed by the first by the by the teacher, and he came home from school. We knew why he was placed there, <laughs> and he said, "Mom, I'm the luckiest fellow in the class." He said, "I'm always next to the teacher in the pictures." <laughs> so you know, he was just a very energetic, full of life. He made us laugh, and we just knew he was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And we think both of our children are extraordinary. They were different, very different. And as Max began to get older, really, I guess we started noticing in middle school, he began to tell me that he was different 
then he said, Mom, I'm different from you and Dad and Callie. And I would say, well, you're extraordinary. And I said, God made everyone different. Mm -hmm. You're uniquely and wonderfully made. And I said, that is God's purpose. We don't want to be the same. He said, no, Mom, something in my mind is different from yours. And I just played that off. And I would mention it, you know, to the to the pediatrician and um, Max school became difficult for Max mm -hmm. and he was very I know everybody thinks their <laughs> child is extremely intelligent but Max was very intelligent he always read well and he loved to learn new things but school became a challenge for him it was always really even in grammar school Max it, it was struggled with attention yes staying um, on task he you know um, Kelly and I we we just naturally adapted uh, kind of a plan for our children. Kelly did a lot of, of work with my daughter Callie, mm -hmm. and a lot of the work as far as schoolwork and homework fell for me for Max. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and sometimes when Max, especially in the early years, third, uh, third fourth grade, when math became it might. It might take us an hour to do 10 math problems, not because he didn't know the problem, it was just the focus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was uh, a struggle, uh, you know, all the time for mm -hmm. the schoolwork. Well, and we, you know, we mentioned that we really didn't want to do medication. Mm -hmm. And the pediatrician assured us, you know, he said he's very intelligent. He's probably bored in school. So that's kind of mm -hmm. why we dismissed it in mm -hmm. elementary school. And he was kind. And he wasn't disruptive. He just may not get in his seat when everybody else was in their seat. You know, it was minor mm -hmm. things. But then when Max started to go through puberty, I guess, I noticed an incredible level of frustration. Mm -hmm. And I would ask other mothers, I said, you know, do you see your child? Do you, I didn't notice this with my daughter Callie. I said, but I've never had a son before. But I said, I see that he's starting to isolate himself a little more and you know we would be down here and he would say well i'm going to go upstairs and play video games and we limited that time mm -hmm. for video games but he just seemed to pull away a little in middle school and again everybody said i think that's normal kelly mm -hmm. so um in the seventh grade i guess his teachers met with us and they said, we, we're not meeting to tell you that Max is a problem. We just see that his mind is wandering in class. And he is an extraordinary student. He's probably the kindest student we have. But it hurts us to see how he struggles. Mm -hmm. So we began to think in terms of, of medication at that point. Well, Max that year came home and said, Mom, I have, a, I have met a little girl that he said, you're going to just love. He said... Her family, they're a good family, and I think you'll really like her. And I said, oh, you know, I said, it's okay to be friends. I said, you're too young to have a girlfriend. But seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay. So he became unusually, I mean, a, an attachment. At that time, my father died, and mm -hmm. he was very close to my dad. So he, it was like he got very attached to his little friend mm -hmm. and their family, and it was just, we just... It was just odd. Mm -hmm. It was odd behavior. And so during that time, there was a, a little episode that um, we thought that that wasn't the best thing anymore, mm -hmm. um, both parents. And so 
um, we, we said, really, you know, this is, you're, you're too young for a relationship like this. But he took it extremely hard mm-hmm. and just, very, again, very odd. And uh, one day while I was at work, I received a phone call that night. We, that was when we, both parents decided that, you know, this might not be a good thing. I received a phone call at work and it was the police and they were at my home, at our home, mm-hmm. and they said that Max had taken some Benadryl and some aspirin, ibuprofen, and, you know, that he had called his friend mm. and said, Connor, this is what I've just done. So we thought, well, that's a cry for help. Mm-hmm. And we were thankful that um, he didn't, there was nothing else really in the house for him to take, but that was the day I think our lives changed mm-hmm. when yeah, we really. said, really? It was the same. No. I thought this is a lot more serious than just a first love or a first breakup or a, and so at that time that forced us I think to say okay we and I had in the past when he had had issues come up you know we met with our pastor or we met with a friend and talked through things we were never opposed to counseling or anything mm-hmm. like that but we you know we would everything got resolved I think pretty much so at that time that forced us we were at Children's Hospital and again they were saying you know Max is ADHD and some depression disorders and that he was extremely impulsive like all young males Mm -hmm. we we learned you know their brain doesn't develop until they're in their mid-20s mid to late 20s so they said you know it's just impulsive behavior and they were very encouraging and very uh, reassuring. But Max started on medication at this time, and we began counseling. Mm-hmm. And it took us many counselors and probably a couple of years to find one that he really connected with. Mm-hmm. But the medication, unfortunately, really never, Max would say, Mom, I feel disassociated. I feel antisocial. I'm not myself. I don't laugh. I don't cry. We didn't find the right medication. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't really know personally if you have a child that age. I'm not. How well it works. I don't out. think it. I mean, it might for some for, for some children, but I don't, really don't think that medication is for children. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I'm not a doc. You know, I don't know. It, I, I know that people prescribe it for children, but I, I really think. Might not be as predictable. Well, I think that area of of the medical field has not been there's not enough research uh, on the way that chemicals react in the brain. You know, right. After you read about and read about things, when your child goes through this, you you know you try to see what you can find for yourself about mm-hmm. some of these situations. And I think um, there's just not enough evidence as to what is a, a treatable. You know what you can treat these kind of things with in a child mm-hmm. of 14 13 14 years old so um again like as kelly said max didn't like any of the medication and it didn't help him so we just decided if it didn't want if he didn't f- feel like taking it at that point we just allowed him to stop mm-hmm. and, and i know people that their children you know they've taken medication and it worked yeah so i'm not saying that it couldn't work, but he would go without eating. It was sad for mm-hmm. us to watch. He would not sleep at night, and it was just a, it was a dark time, wasn't it, David? 
Yes, it was. And I, I just thought, you know, like we were talking about earlier before we started, Satan knows what our treasures are. Mm-hmm. And my treasure was my family. Yeah. And I can't think of many things where he could attack me that would hurt more. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I was surprised, but I was surprised because I'm a person, I thought, well, you know, we're praying parents, we go to church, we have a, you know, I felt we have a strong faith. And with that incident, I'm ashamed to say, there was a, for me, I think David handled it better than me, but it was some shame mm-hmm. and some guilt and embarrassment. Like, you know, what will people think? And that, I guess, is what I would say to other parents that might be going through this. There's, there's no shame. Yeah. And there shouldn't be the stigma and um, counseling. And, you know, we don't talk about mental health. I, I was talking to somebody today that I worked with for years, and he just started talking to me and very kind, very nice friend at work. And he told me, he shared with me that his brother in the 70s mm-hmm. had a mental health. He was a paranoid schizophrenic. And he said at that time, he said, you did not talk about anything mm-hmm. like that. It was even worse than today. But he said one out of four people are affected by mental illness. Yeah, That's a family of four. One out of mm-hmm. four. That, that to me, that is... I mean, that's just eye-opening to yeah. me. That's the epidemic right Yes, there. Yeah. yes. So, you know, we just, we, and, and I, like I well, said, David handled yeah. it better than well, One I thing did. that we did find out, too, at that time, is just how difficult to navigate the mental health mm-hmm. services. And, and, you know, if what we would do uh, as we move forward from this, event that Max went through with the pills, taking the pills, and as we tried to get back to normal, what we found, there were episodes that we would we would need to talk with someone, and Max would be talking about harming himself or doing something, and mm-hmm. we would call um, who we knew to call. That would be a psychiatrist or other counselors or people, and they would say, well, today's Monday. Uh, let's see, we can see Max... Uh, a week from you know Tuesday or something mm-hmm. you know you're like I need somebody today yeah and they're like well I'm sorry if you feel like it's an emergency dial nine one one and you you want to f- be frustrated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you got a child that's that is struggling and then there's nothing you can do there's no more of a frustrating feeling than yeah. that it's a so, hopelessness yes and it, it was. Uh, Almost, and this this was going on when Max was probably in the ninth grade, early high school years. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we moved forward with that, uh, with Max, um, what what we found uh, most of all was if you try to to work the system, it's going to be a very frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. But we also found that. If and when Max found someone that he could talk to that was a counselor that he connected to and he felt comfortable with, it helped him Mm. tremendously. Mm -hmm. Not only did it help him, it helped us because we knew Max was better. So it gave us hope. Mm -hmm. And that has been the one thing out of this whole um, 
experience that, that we went through with Max that uh, we know is a, is a, is a, there's a way to get help, and mm-hmm. that's through mental health counseling mm-hmm. with somebody that's a professional. Max didn't stick with that. He did for years. He, mm-hmm. he, he stayed with, uh, like, like Kelly mentioned earlier, we might have gone through 10, 12, mm-hmm. maybe even more counselors before Mike, Max would find somebody that he felt comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And, and through, through Max's life and through this process, I bet he wound up with three maybe mm-hmm. that he was comfortable with at various times. And the, what, what we also started seeing with Max, speaking of medication, mm-hmm. Around this time, early ninth, ninth grade, Light. Max mm-hmm. Max started. Uh, he started being exposed to uh, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, marijuana, marijuana. And, and and some other things that we we know now that Max was self medicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the medication that he he that you know the medical community was offering was not. Uh, working for Max, but Max thought uh, marijuana and different things would, would I think, mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it just masked the, the issues that Max was having. So as we moved on through high school, we started dealing with that. With that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also, and it the, was self, the reason we think, you know, it's self-medicating. I mean, Max wouldn't go out with mm-hmm. people. We, he would go down to the basement and we would, you know, say, Max, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. We're not going to. So, again, it was an isolating and a pulling away from people. And, you know, he would go to sleep. Yes. Mm-hmm. He just, he just, would just go to sleep. It was, it was an escape and a rest. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, there would be days when Max wouldn't be able to sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's got to be, I've never had the issue yeah. you know, of that. So I know it's a miserable thing. But then, uh, I guess, as we, as in, in most things, as, as we got older, the, the drugs that he would take got to be stronger, mm-hmm. uh, more often, uh, different kinds. Um, but it was, it was also during that time where we made a lot of, a lot of advancements mm-hmm. in, in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max would go through periods where, uh, Things were working for him. The counseling mm-hmm. was working for him. He was he was in a good place, a healthy, place, healthy he mentally and physically. Uh, Max had a love for working out. Mm-hmm. Um, he he started uh, probably in the eighth grade. Eighth. We were trying we, to get him. We got him. A, in we got a personal trainer at the local Y MCA, and uh, he he loved it. But it was uh, a constant battle for Max. And I have to say that, you know, at first we thought it was just pure rebellion. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought this is rebellion. Mm-hmm. And I prayed, I cannot tell you, if you walked up our stairs, I mean, that's how I thought I would battle this. Mm-hmm. And I prayed he 
has a ceiling fan in his room. I taped scripture on the ceiling fan <laughs> in the closet. It's filled. It still has still scripture. Yeah. And in his car, I mean, one day, one day, I was underneath his car putting, you know, scriptures mm-hmm. about protection. And he came out there and said, Mom, what are you doing under my car? I mean, it got to be funny because <laughs> he, he, would, he said, my, he said people would, he would talk to his, his friends and things about his mom. And he said, my mom's habit is prayer. <laughs> my mom yes my mom's, mom's hobby hobby yeah hobby. My mom's hobby, hobby is prayer and i and said well max a, thank you you got me hobby. interested in that yes. <laughs> but you know so we were praying and we were calling on you know other prayer warriors to pray alongside with us and you know during this time too i mean um david was here one night i remember this night just being a dark just another just a hopeless night we were on our way back from Birmingham and David and Max were here and Max he could hear Max downstairs praying and crying out for God to help him Mm -hmm. and um, we we talked about you know Max sometimes you know we can't explain why you're you're suffering but Mm -hmm. God is with you and God and Max knew I mean Max would say to me mom don't ever stop praying for me and Mm -hmm. I said oh Max you'll never have to worry about that so he he knew the Lord Mm -hmm. and though he didn't understand that God was in the midst of all of this and that God was helping him he couldn't he he saw mountains he could not climb Mm -hmm. so we were certainly praying during this time. That was our number one. Um, and yes, and during during his high school years, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh grades, um, it was a battle, and and you know, Max continued to uh, uh, make progress, but then one step back, one step forward, too. Oh uh, yeah, one yeah. step forward, and then be two or three steps back, mm-hmm. and. As we moved up into, you know, his junior year, we realized that we had to, we had to do something. My, my goal for Max was to do anything that we could to uh, get his get him through high school and get his high school diploma for him. And mm-hmm. we felt if we could do that, that would take a lot of pressure off of him. Then he could relax and try to decide, you know, find a job and try to decide what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whether trade, college, mm-hmm. because it never was an issue with intelligence. Mm-hmm. There was an issue with that. Yeah, you can definitely see you have a photo right here of yeah. him and just uh, a, a very handsome young man, a, mm-hmm. a very likable smile on his face. Uh, just, I mean, you see his personality mm-hmm. all in that photo there. We always have said, you know, Max was the one that when he walked in a room, it, it lit the room up. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would stop and look. That was just his personality. Mm-hmm. That's just the way Max was. He and loved people. He, he was a loyal friend. We, we've we had people share stories with us since Max died. Um, there was a young man that was a really good friend of his, and he mm-hmm. said one day at school that he was being bullied, and that Max said, you know, called him by name and said, come on. He said, there's more important things in school. And he said he took him outside and talked to him in the car and told him, he said, you know what, high school doesn't last very long. What what people say, that's not that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how Max helped him. Max was always helping others. Mm-hmm. We also had a family member that was struggling. That was a young 
um, she was younger and, and Max would help her and he loved helping people and um, he loved people mm-hmm. and I can't think of anybody that Max didn't like can you David no he no, just, I mean, you know, of course. He saw hurting people. You know, people that are hurting themselves, mm-hmm. they can see in other people pain and and suffering. And, and I think Max had a discernment with, with hurting he people. Didn't, he didn't appreciate other people, uh, you know, making fun of people that might be a little different. Mm-hmm. He always was for the ones that you would might think were struggling mm-hmm. a little bit in, in high school. And in school, Max would always... That was, he would befriend them and, and try to help them. And I think a lot of that might have been because of the way Max felt. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, again, as we moved forward with Max, as we we got into his junior, senior year, we started doing homeschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not really homeschool. Online. It was online mm-hmm. school through, through Gaston City Schools. They had a, a program where... Max went to school uh, part of the day, and then another part of the day he would come home and uh, he would have a couple of classes online. Mm-hmm. So we and worked he got with a him. Job during yeah, that time. during that time that, he got a. That was really good for Max. And um, as as we got through high school, then I think there were some. Uh, I think the issues for Max started to try to decide. Uh, what he was going to do mm-hmm. with his life, and I think that became a very um, overwhelming. overwhelming. Um, he, I don't, I don't know so much that. Uh, I think he might have seen some of his his friends uh, succeeding in areas mm-hmm. in school and and other things, and and he he might have felt. I think his self esteem mm-hmm. started taking a hit, and he didn't feel like. He was meeting, you know, I don't think he, I don't know so much us or it might have been a personal, uh, you know, he just didn't think he was meeting the expectations mm-hmm. that, that um, I don't know so much society had mm-hmm. set for him. You know, he needed to be, he just didn't think he was, um, I think he, he felt bad about himself. He did, yeah. he and, did. And that started a little downward spiral. Uh, uh, I think it also, um, Max and I used to talk, uh, you know, life is about relationships. Mm -hmm. And Max seemed to struggle with normal relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when it came to girls. Mm -hmm. But at this time, Max uh, had met uh, a couple of girls along the way that... uh, had been, uh, I think, good for him in, in a lot of ways, but also it was obvious that, you know, the relationship, there were some issues and struggles there to have a normal uh, relationship for his age. You know, he was always, um, if he did, you know, if Max did something, it was not halfway. Mm-hmm. He would go into... It, I think it, relationships began to stress him out yeah. because mm-hmm. he felt like he... His whole purpose was to serve that purpose. Mm-hmm. I mean, serve that yeah. person. Mm-hmm. And we did want to serve each other, but he he would just neglect himself mm-hmm. to serve other people. And I think the relationships became too much. He was he wasn't old enough to really handle. He wasn't emotionally 
mature yes. enough yes, to handle mm-hmm. the kind of relationships that, that this turned into. It was, yeah. should have been more fun, more mm-hmm. carefree, but it was just not that way, which I think added to his yeah, stress him. and anxiety. It wasn't, it yeah, wasn't with the girls. No, it, it was, was. It was. It was my, his, my, mainly Max putting the pressure mm-hmm. on himself, and um, but as we as we got you know into when Max turned uh, eighteen, uh, we were still just working slowly in the process of him trying to decide what he wanted to do. Uh, we tried to. Gas and state a time or two, and things just wouldn't work out. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't handle Overwhelming it. Overwhelming to him. The pressure of, of just thinking about, you know, he would say, Dad, I just don't think I can do it. I'm mm-hmm. just not ready. And I said, it's fine. Well, you know, it's not. You don't have to go to college. You know, there's trades you could do. You know, you could uh, just find a good job and mm-hmm. work for a while and just see what you, you know. We never, we never stressed or put, you pressure. know, pressure mm-hmm. on Max. Would It was kind of. Over the years, you know, we had our issues where Max said, I'm leaving and I'm not. When but he was it, young. When he was younger. But then as we, as he got older, he was like, Dad, just how long can I stay here? You know, he was like, how many, uh, do I have to be a certain age? You're going to kick me? I'm like, When's the lease run out? Yes, yeah, yes. You're welcome your entire life. But now that's not the goal. The goal <laughs> is, is for, we always would tell him, I'd tell him, son, my goal for you is, is really uh, two things. Number one, for you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Number one is is you got to be happy, son. And then the number two is for for you to be able to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you know, like two B, two B would be mm-hmm. if you want a family, you know, be able to take care of that family. Mm-hmm. Too, and we wanted you know, him to find his find purpose. his purpose. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And, and that's he, part of being happy. You're not going to be happy, uh, or you won't be as happy as you can. I don't think unless you find. Uh, partially or totally find your purpose in mm-hmm. life and, and work and live that out. So. But we, we got to a place where I think we oftentimes when you're praying about something mm-hmm. and you think that what you're praying about, that that's all there is. You know, I thought all my prayers were about Max. Mm-hmm. But during the process, I think the Lord drew me closer to him mm-hmm. and Max strengthened my relationship with the Lord and I knew in my heart not to say that I didn't question sometimes why are we going through this mm-hmm. because I did I didn't understand I, I journal I, I can go back and read my journals and I can remember those long days when I thought wow will this ever be different but the Lord impressed upon my heart that sometimes it's more about it's about me, mm-hmm. not just about Max. So my intimacy with the Lord grew more than it ever would. Mm. You know, when we have problems, mm-hmm. that pushes us to the foot of the cross. Yeah. Does me. So the the more we struggled, the harder I would pray, and. The you know when doubt crept it would creep in. I just I just was very confident and expectant. And I I think when Max got older, I did. I I thought Max was going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I prayed that Max would have peace. And I said, Lord, I don't know how you'll send that, but mm-hmm. Lord, I know you will, and I trust you. And that was my prayer. And David's pr- David's yeah. prayer may have been different from mine. No, it, it would be 
the same. It was the same for me. But you know, there would be nights where, you know, we I would just be on on the ground and, and in front of his room, just crying out to mm-hmm. God for, just give him you know peace, Lord. Mm-hmm. Just give him peace of mind. I know I was, you know I would tell Kelly I'd say, you know God could just touch him. Touch him. Mm-hmm. I mean you know just, I mean it's it's would just be so. Uh, in my mind, so simple that God could have just thought that problem that Max, whatever it was for Max, would be gone. You mm-hmm. know that he would be healthy mentally and physically both. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, it's it's a it's a hard thing as we moved on with Max. And in the last year, Max was alive. I would I would say. I saw a lot of of, of frustration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Max started. Max would tell me, "Dad, I'm tired. I'm tired." I'm like, "Son, I know you're you're tired. I don't understand. You know what you're talking about. What is it that you're tired of? You know, it's just Dad. You don't understand. You don't understand." He would make statements like, "My life is like, you know, the one that just." Um, that will always stick in my mind. He says, Dad, my life is like somebody's fingernails on a chalkboard. Hmm. And I'm like, I, I just... It would you, break our hearts. I'm, just, mm-hmm. I'm like, son, I don't... You know, I, I know what you're saying. I just don't understand, son. There's got to be something that we can do to... You know, and, and at that time, Kelly and I kind of... You know, we we would... At one time, I would tell everybody, I said, we it, over the years, we took everything but oxygen away from Max. Mm-hmm. It took discipline. We tried everything. We we did a lot of things mm-hmm. to try to discipline this issue out of Max. And, and then we, you know, as we got into this part of Max's life, we realized it's not a discipline mm-hmm. thing. It's mm-hmm. a it's it's something that's that Max is dealing with mentally and. I, I lost the ability to get mad at Max mm-hmm. for about the last year and a half. We we had healthy was, we had boundaries. Yeah, but well, we decided that we our job was not to fix Max. Mm-hmm. Our job was, was to, to love, love him, and yeah. we chose our battles. And we, I think Max, we had an understanding between each other. Max didn't get angry with us mm-hmm. when we would say, Max, you can't drive your car if you're going to make unwise choices in other areas. And Mm -hmm. he would say, well, I understand that, Mom. I understand that. I know y'all love me, Mm -hmm. and I love y'all. And the reason I'm sad or the reason that I'm acting the way I am has nothing to do with y'all. He said, I couldn't ask for better parents. We're certainly not perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're far from perfect. But he... He assured us all the time. He said, there's not one thing that you all could have done different. And that, to me, is a blessing Mm -hmm. because, you know, he wasn't wasn't, uh, disrespectful as far as, you know, um, he wasn't bad to talk back. And he understood. And when he did things that he knew that we did not approve of, Mm He was very remorseful, and again, I think that shame and guilt, yeah. he couldn't get over that. Yeah. And, you know, but but there were days, oh my goodness, there were days when just joy. I mean, I remember laying outside, he had a hammock, and we'd get out there on the hammock, and we would just talk about 
life and he loved to hear stories about our family and he um, was just a he was an incredible incredible young man Mm -hmm. and he had relationships with um, some of his teachers in high school that you know he would call on them when he had problems and if he if you were his friend I mean he was just loyal to a fault Mm -hmm. and he was honest with with a few of the instructors that he had a few of the teachers that he had and you know in those classes where Max struggled in some classes in those classes he sailed through with straight A's and I asked him one day I said well how can you do so well in Mr. McRae's class Max he said well mom Mr. McRae is an excellent teacher anybody (laughs) you know so he Max had a discernment for people too he could he could pick out quality people. So there was a gift there. Yes, he had. yes. I think, David, he yeah, had a discernment. I, I, think, I always have said this. I've always said uh, to different people, I said, my son Max really, really liked this person. Mm-hmm. So that means he must have been a pretty good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's serious. I think Max could see through uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, people's, you know, he knew... Uh, a person's heart mm-hmm. pretty quick and uh he loved his sister yeah, oh my goodness in his eyes Callie seemed to never struggle mm-hmm. at anything and he would tell his teachers <laughs> I know when he was in kindergarten he told his kindergarten teacher she said oh you're Callie's brother and he said yes ma'am but she's the good one I'm the bad one and <laughs> we didn't do anything no. yeah. to, you know, and then when he got in middle school, he told the band director the same thing. Huh. And he just thought that Callie was up here and he, there was never competition really. He was proud of her. Yeah. Everything that she accomplished, he was so proud of Not her. Not many people could influence Max like Callie could. Yes. Huh. And yeah. Callie, he, he didn't back talk Callie or disrespect Callie at all and at no. any time now. I mean, they had their they had their (laughs) spouses, children, you know. But (laughs) as they got older, um, you could tell he adored her. Yeah. So, but but you know, I guess getting back to the the years or the the last year that Max was alive, really, with the frustration. I think along with that, just being honest, there were a lot of there were a lot of drug use Mm -hmm. that came up, and I think uh, that. As that continued, uh, the frustration also increased, mm-hmm. and the frustration then turned to, I think, maybe more and more depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, um, self low yeah, self esteem, small self esteem. He also, uh, I don't, I think he lost uh, a little of his uh, I, don't, I, I think the future just didn't seem bright yeah. for mm-hmm. Max and, and he's you know it's hard to imagine when you would see Max and look at Max that that would be anything he struggled with mm-hmm. but he did have a low self esteem and, and it, it's just amazing uh, how the mind works mm-hmm. but as we got to a certain point uh, we started dealing with some things that Max was having issues, you know, with uh, being able to work. Uh, 
he would, uh, you know, it was responsibility issues and things that he struggled with, and he, he everything that seemed to, to, it was kind of a, uh, every time something happened, it would seem to just make him that much lower, you know, and mm-hmm. it was self-inflicted, but at the same time, um, really a, a hard thing to watch. We were trying to get Max from trying to let Max grow up, mm-hmm. uh, be on his own, be his own man. Again, my, my, my goal was for him to be able to take care of himself. And, you know, he was, a uh, he was approaching, uh, well, he was 19, mm-hmm. you know, his 19th birthday. And he wanted to be independent. He did. But he, he knew, I think he knew, you know, he had a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But we just, we, I, I said, you know, when you drop your children off at college, it's a bittersweet day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're sad to see them leave the house, but there's a certain amount of joy that, okay, we've packed their suitcase for 18 years and we've taught them, you know, we've, we've given a, a strong foundation and we felt good about letting Callie go off to school. And I used to tell David when, when Max packs that car and drives off and one day it was going to feel so good that he had you know he was ready to go out on his own and that we had done our job so we we were still we were pressing on and, and making progress and doing the best that we could do but we still would have times where we would just take 10 steps back mm-hmm. we had taken two forward and we'd take 10 steps back but but there were there were good days there were there were there were some good times. A lot of good, and lot of good times. I think this is one thing that stands out in my mind more than anything. And we were standing right in the den, and Max had come in, and he was a little sad, and he sat down next to me on the couch, and we were talking about the future. He had been to see a Navy recruiter, hmm. and we didn't know that, but he had been to see a Navy recruiter, and he was talking about going to the trade school, and he had talked to someone over there about welding. And I said, well, Max, what is it? that you want to do with your life. And he said, Mom, it's it's simple. He said, all I want to do is help other people. Hmm. And, you know, when I prayed, and I prayed for, you know, his future, and I asked God to reveal his purpose to him, I knew that Max would have great purpose. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Max would help other people. But I never imagined that this would be the way that it would turn out. Yeah. But I just go back and read my journal. I'm reminded that his ways are higher. And his methods, they're mysterious, but they always have meaning. And I guess I said I either trust him Mm -hmm. or I don't trust him. And it's easy to trust when the story turns out like the ending you had for Mm -hmm. the story. But it's hard to trust. But we are intentional about putting our faith over our feelings yeah. because feelings lie and feelings are they they're just they're they're lies yeah so that's i guess that we we can fast forward to the night of may 8th i guess and my daughter was home from school our daughter was home from school and um max was going on a trip the next day 
and he had saved some money, and he was the absent-minded professor. He would go run at the falls, and he'd call and say, Mom, can you come help me? I've lost my keys. Mm. <laughs> we might find his keys two days later. Yeah. He lost his driver's license about four or five times, and so he, that frustrated him. But he was looking for money that night that he had hidden in a little mason jar, and I was getting ready for bed, and I could hear him downstairs talking to David, and he was looking for his money. And he said, Dad, I know that that my money was here. He said, did you hide it? He said, because I know you love me, and you might think I'm you know, going to do something with that money. I shouldn't, but I need that money for my trip tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He wasn't angry. He was frustrated. Mm-hmm. There was a Very high level of frustration. Mm-hmm. So David came up and got me and asked me, you know, have I, had I seen the money? And I said, no, I haven't. I said, but listen, I said, Max, tomorrow we've got an early day i said we need to get in the bed i said so it'll be okay you'll find the money i said i I bet you when you wake up in the morning you'll find the money i Mm. said but i'm going to bed and i said i love you and he said i love you too mom and i could hear david it was like they were still looking and going in and out and in and out and my daughter was in her bedroom and I couldn't sleep. I was very restless, which is unlike, usually I just fall right to sleep. But um, the next thing I know, I hear something, which was a gunshot wound, a gunshot, and I could hear David, and David was with him outside. And he took his life. We don't know where he got the gun. We don't know um, if he was, he, he went in and out about three or four times, and we, we feel like it was impulsive Mm -hmm. and um i just remember going outside and i asked david the same question when i saw him outside i just prayed and i said we love you and i said god thank you that we're we got to be max's parents for 19 years because i knew that max was dead and he looked like such an angel. Mm-hmm. There was such a peace that I'll never forget. And I asked David, I said, did God do that just for me? Or did he do that for you too? And he said, Kelly, he looked like an angel. <laughs> so my daughter, we came in and my daughter, we sat in the room in here. My daughter said, Mom, how will we ever go on? How will we live through this? And I said, I do not know how. I said, but I know we will because I know that God will see us through. I said, he is faithful. And I said, he promises abundant life. And I said, he makes no exclusions. And we prayed. Our preacher came that night. Mm. And my daughter, as we sat there in the living room, my daughter started praying for us. And there was just a peace there was heartache and there was disbelief there was shock there was just an emptiness like we've never known and i sat awake and i think they finally fell asleep about five o'clock that morning Mm -hmm. and just just a numb just a loss it's like david described to somebody he said he felt like somebody had ripped his heart out of his chest and just crammed it back in Mm -hmm. in a bunch of different pieces but i will say that 
when you go through something that shatters your life, that just really could destroy your life. Mm-hmm. You have a choice. You could, you know, some people said, I don't know how you're out of the bed. And I said, well, you know, Max and I talked about our fate all the time. I said, what what kind of fate would that be if I did just stay in the bed and I didn't live life? I mean, that is when your faith is tested. Yeah. That is when your faith is tested. And I just, he sensed the sweetest encouragement at just the right time. It is a horrible, it's unthinkable. I would never, ever wish this on anyone. And I would never want to walk through anything like this. But our counselor told us early on, we went to a counselor. I wanted us to go as a family. And she said, grief can be a gift. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. What? I don't understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. But... I get what she means. I mean, God is near to the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. and we were broken. We're still brokenhearted. Yes. But He is so incredible, incredibly close to us that we would never know this intimacy mm. if we had not walked through this pain. Yeah. Well, the you know the the fact of the matter is is that we know where Max is. Yes. Yes. Now, does that make uh, the heartache any easier? No, no it doesn't. But um, we're the ones hurting. Mm-hmm. Max is healed. Yeah. Kelly's prayer was answered. Yeah. My prayer was answered. But you know, and never would we have thought that's how our prayer was going to be answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, you know, for Max to be healed, uh, this would have to happen. But um, and Thank as God. Kelly said, as Kelly said, though, that there, there's, there's a, a crossroad mm-hmm. when, when this happens to, when tragedy happens, there's a crossroad in your life that you either, you know, you either pack it in and say, I'm done. I'm just not going to, I can't deal with this. God, you know, what are you doing? You know, or you just say, you know what can I what can I do with this? Yeah, can I? And I, I'm just following God's leadership at this point because this was not in the back of my mind when we sat down. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode was is going to be released Holy Week, and I'm like, we've got more of your story, the the ministry that has mm-hmm. come from this. I'd like to stop right there at the crossroad, if we may. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you listening, just plan on being back here next Monday morning. It's actually it will be Resurrection Monday, and you will hear. You've heard it said many times. Uh, it's Friday, mm-hmm. but Sunday's coming. Mm-hmm. And as we share, continue to share with David and Kelly how Sunday has started Mm -hmm. to come in their lives. Would that be okay if we do that? Absolutely. Until those of you listening in, it's Holy Week. This coming Friday is Good Friday, 
the next Sunday is Easter Sunday morning. He is risen. That's coming up. And we'll be right back here for part two of our conversation with David and Kelly Cochran. Until then.